So let's pick up uh, the story as uh, Jesus was on his way uh, into Jerusalem, donkey and all, as we uh, heard this morning. And if we can, for a moment, direct our thoughts away from uh, uh, the obvious things and onto Jesus himself. There's only uh, only one verse, really. Perhaps you turn to it in Luke uh, chapter 19, without which perhaps we would never get past the crowd. It's very matter of fact. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. My invitation is for us to hear Jesus weeping uh, above the noise, above the clamor uh, of the crowds. Why? Why was he weeping in that way? Literally, as Jesus reached the brow of the hill, and some of you will have uh, been there for yourselves, and you will know the, the terrain. You go up a hillside, and suddenly you reach the brow of the hill, and there before you is the uh, magnificent still. Uh, city of uh, Jerusalem. It's one of those uh, iconic sites. Uh, If you've ever seen a picture of Jerusalem, it will be from the Mount of Olives, almost certainly uh, seeing the scene spread out across the valley below in the same way that uh, uh, we use that uh, iconic image of London with Tower Bridge and the the, the London Eye and all of that stuff and the, the way they're using that for the 2012 and so on. Everyone knows what it is. Well, it was a similar uh, a site back then as it was uh, as it is now. Magnificent temple, the city alive comes into view. And quite literally, uh, it says, Jesus burst into tears. He was overcome with, it, with emotion. Uh, maybe humanly, he too was taken by surprise at the weight, the level of emotion that he felt as he looked down on that city. Now, it was a busy time of year. It was festival time. And uh, the city was full with thousands of extra uh, visitors. It was like London when the Notting Hill Carnival is on or uh, Ipswich when... I don't know, Ipswich doesn't do that. Ipswich when, when something happened. But you imagine the, the scene. So it was London, cram-packed, Jerusalem, uh, uh, packed with people. And the way Jesus was going into Jerusalem was the main road in. It was uh, the A12, if you like, from Bethany into Jerusalem. So lots of pilgrims would have been traveling that day. The idea that Jesus was kind of walking down this road with his disciples all by himself just wouldn't have been. There would have been lots of people like Jesus walking to Jerusalem that day. Nobody else wept except Jesus. When he saw the city, he was literally wrenched in his emotions, in his guts, transfixed by what he saw. And and we might wonder why. Uh, Was he overcome with emotion because he knew what was ahead of him? Well, that would be, in my book, perfectly uh, reasonable if he had been uh, uh, to see Jerusalem, knowing that in a few days he would be on a cross outside the, the walls. But he not only weeps, he, 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 he cries this lament in verse 42. And it's not about himself. It's not about his own fate. It's not about what's about to befall him. 
which I might have expected, but it was what was about to befall them. If you even you had only known in this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. His cry of lament was not for himself, but for the others. Because he was able to see, not simply the way it looked, but the way it actually was. You see, Jerusalem looked great. Imagine the day. The sun was shining. The the sky was uh, blue. The grandeur of the temple. The streets alive and bustling with pilgrims. The hotels are packed. Business is booming. Uh, A festive spirit is in the air. The whitewashed buildings glistening in the Mediterranean sun. Uh, An idyllic background for any carnival activity. That was what was going on. It must have been a fabulous sight. But Jesus saw beyond it all. He saw beyond the way it looked to how it really was. Because behind the veneer of their festive celebration, behind the vibrancy of their business, behind the grandeur of their architecture, were people who were lost. People lost in their waywardness. People lost in their rebellion against God. People blinded by their own religious ritual. Everything looked so alive But behind the show were disappointed, broken, guilty, hurting people who turned their back on God, people who'd become consumed by their own selfish agenda, lives which looked so alive but were experiencing inner decay, lives that looked so bright but were dark on the inside, lives that appeared to be gaining the whole world but actually losing their own soul. And that's what Jesus saw. And no wonder he wept. No wonder he wept. What do we see? What do we see? When was the last time that we stopped and we saw like Jesus and it caused us to weep? Because we saw not the way that it looks, but the way that it truly is. Do we see past the two cars and the conservatories and the designer lawns? Do we See, past all the things that we put around us to give the impression that all is well in life. Do we look beyond our castles to see the way that it really is? I often wonder about the street that I live in. I don't know whether you wonder about your own street. You know, probably, a number of the people in your street, so you know something of the stories. You know what lies behind the curtains, Uh, or you know what goes, not physically goes on, but metaphorically what is happening in the lives of of people. So on the outside, the house next to ours, to the right and to the left, looks fab, looks fab, and it is at the moment. But that doesn't belie the fact that even in these last few years, those houses, whilst they looked fab on on the outside, were inside, there were homes that were falling apart. I hope that we're not the common denominator, that both families either side of us have broken up in recent years. I don't think we're to blame. But that goes on in your street, doesn't it? And in mine. But on the outside, it all looks okay because the grass still gets cut and the house probably still gets painted from time to time. What's it really like? What's it really like? 
course, life does have its uh, uh, great moments and great celebrations. We spend enough energy and money making sure that it happens. The quest for bigger and faster and glossier and newer toys for the girls as well as the boys. And if only aging could be delayed and we could count on one day being an octogenarian with teenage looks. If only the anti-aging cream worked and it didn't taste so bad. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) You see, Ron Seal says it does exactly what it says on the tin. But most lives aren't like that, are they? And Jesus saw it. And when he saw it, he wept for all of the pretense. He, He wept because he knew that it didn't need to be like this. It didn't really need to be this way. He wept because he knew what was coming. Read the verses that, that go on. Jesus, uh, Jesus says, if only they were aware of the judgment that's coming. If you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God, God's coming uh, to you. And that's exactly what happens. We know that Jerusalem was soon uh, to be devastated. Those words were, were incredibly accurate in A.D. 70. So Jesus wept because he saw the way that it was. He wept because he saw the judgment that was coming. And, and we hide away from that. Even as Christians, we we hide away from that. We don't like the thought of one day God judging that which is wrong. But then when we see Jesus on that cross, and we see the horror of what sin is and what sin does, then we know there's a judgment that's coming. We know that he himself went through that judgment to save us from it ourselves. So no wonder Jesus wept. He saw how it really was. He saw the judgment that was coming. And he knew it could be different. So, so different. But so caught up were they in their world, so caught up were they in their own religious ritual, that God was coming and they weren't even going to notice. One of the reasons I think that uh, that Jesus uh, uh, was so sometimes frustrated, I guess, he got frustrated with the disciples, uh, and on time to time he he expresses such frustration. It comes out of I think this deep understanding that it could be different, and and I think we we can lose our confidence in the gospel, that it can be different. That it can be different. We look at our world and we see the mess that it's in and we may weep over it. We may lament that judgment is coming. But maybe we find it hard to really believe that it can be different. Actually, really different. That God can and does and will change people's lives. You see, I think we're in danger in our modern age of thinking that the dramatic conversion is something of the past. If I asked you to name somebody who was dramatically converted, who would you say? 
The Apostle Paul. Now, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Anyone else? Dramatic conversion. Nikki Cruz, thank you. Crossing the switchblade fame, showing your age. Hey, see, we're struggling already. John Newton, amazing grace. Yeah. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> In fact, you've said the three that I wrote down. Uh, and, and they're all sort of confined to history. And this idea that God can dr- radically pick someone up and transform them in the here and now is not generally our experience. And the danger is that we begin to lose our confidence that God can actually change people's lives in the here and now like that. Do we really believe in God's power today to bring about that change? Jesus did, which made it for him all the more incredibly frustrating. He was going to give his life for people just like them. And they didn't get it. And they couldn't see it. And a judgment was coming and they weren't aware of it. And so he wept. And so he wept. But one last thing. One last thing. What did he do? He got up from that place of weeping. And he went on into the city. He went on into the city that would hurt him, that would wound him, that would in the end kill him. His weeping was not in isolation. His weeping was not in some kind of uh, uh, protective, hidden away place. But his weeping, the depth of emotion that we see, is what drove him in his life. And still he went and reached out to the city, knowing that 99.9% of them would turn their back on him. He still went, even though he would be misunderstood in the coming week. He still went, even though he would be mocked. He still went, even though he would be falsely accused. He still went, even though he would be killed by mob rule. And maybe that's why we're not so keen to discover this heart of lament that Jesus reveals. Because we know the challenge that it might bring to our lives. I'm not sure I would want to go to Jerusalem knowing that. I'm not sure I would want to reach out to people knowing the cost that might come my way. But that's the very heart of the gospel. A God who loved so deeply that he went and he came. And the invitation or the challenge is, do we see what Jesus saw? And do we feel the emotion that Jesus felt? And does that lead us to action in the way that Jesus did? Will we weep over our Jerusalems? Will we believe that things can be different for those people or situations that we weep over in our families, our friends, even our communities? And will we go? Even though we might be misunderstood, even though we might be mocked, even though uh, we might be bruised and broken because of it. Will we go? 
Or will we be like all those pilgrims that day that went on their way? How many people passed as Jesus stopped and wept? Didn't give it a second thought. How many thousands maybe that day saw exactly the same thing and just went on by and did their usual thing? That's the easiest thing for me, just to keep going, keep myself busy, keep doing all the things I normally do. Then I don't really need to think about it. I don't really need to think about lost people. I don't really need to think about a judgment that's coming. I don't really need to think about the fact that actually uh, behind all the nice veneer of life there are broken and hurting people. I can just keep walking by and doing my thing. And they did it. And they did it. And they did it. But Jesus stopped. And he wept. I don't know about you, but that's a huge challenge to me. Let's pray. Lord, I I can't do this by myself. I haven't got the resources. I almost daren't look the way that you looked. I, I, I don't really want to see what you see. The pain and the brokenness would be overwhelming. I don't really like to think and look hard at the fact that there is a judgment, that people are lost without you. I'm quite content to see the veneer. I'm quite content to think that as life just keeps going, all then must be well. So these verses are a real challenge. A real challenge. You stopped and you wept. And then you still went. I need that love to so touch my life that I can be all that you're asking me to be. I need that love to touch my eyes, to touch my heart. I need the deep, deep love of Jesus.